our goal is to make a coach successful in any way that we can. And if that means they take our content and use it with their clients, like awesome, put their name on it, put their colors on it. Like that's going to make them a better coach. You have the knowledge, the experience, and the talent needed to succeed. But in the day and age we live in, skill is not enough. Your story is the most powerful tool in your arsenal. This show will help you tap into that resource and learn how to leverage your message to gain deeper influence and build a lasting legacy. Tune in each week as thought leaders, entrepreneurs, and authors share how they built empires on the backs of their story. You're listening to Stories That Sell with your host, Scott Ramage. Welcome to this episode of Stories to Sell. Today I have with me Trevor Whitwer. He is, boy, a lot of things. Uh, he's an ex-professional athlete, boutique fitness facility creator, software founder, coach, dad to two, and husband to one. And as you said, uh, Trevor, in reverse order from important, or least important to most important, which is awesome. Um, before we get to Trevor, I wanted to chat with you guys a little bit about DAs for Gyms. If you could imagine having a team of operation outsourcing professionals helping you get massive amounts of work done from editing videos, editing all podcasts, post-production, creating social media content, managing your social accounts, admin tasks, processing payments, and so much more. DAs for Gyms is here to make sure your productivity skyrockets while performing tasks and roles you simply don't want to or simply don't have the time or skills to do. The Ace for Gyms offers a wide range of services that will help you run your business and save money. Check us out at theaceforgyms.com. That's V-A-S, by the way. Welcome to the show, Trevor. How are you doing? I'm doing great. It's great to be here. Yeah, it's uh, fun to talk with guys like you who have um, who have uh, jumped into the world or been in the world of fitness for you know a, a good minute and have found a solution um, and built a, a brand and a company around that. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to hearing your story. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's good to be here, and I kind of yeah. I mean, if we we start back at the beginning, that's I'm fitness is where I am, and that's where like I wouldn't be with Coach Catalyst at this point if it wasn't for the the things that I've done before, and and really we got here because we were just we were we found problems, and we were just like we want solutions, and if there was a solution, we would have paid for it, but there wasn't, so we decided to just go and create it. Yeah, that's really cool. Those are some of the the I, I don't know. For me, it's the most inspiring business model is when when there is a problem and you're literally faced with this thing of, hmm, what am I going to do about it? Because if it's if you have a problem, there's obviously other people who have the problem, and that's where Coaching Catalyst was born. Let's uh, let's let's rewind back. I want to hear the story of how this all began. You know your roots. You talked about a lot yep. of things in like in your bio. You ex professional athlete. Um, obviously, more recently a dad. So we go to and a husband. So we go this gamut. But I know that this all unrolls in a um, in a manner that got you to where you are today. Yeah. So I mean, I've always been interested in in sport performance, and so kind of growing up, just I'm a very physical person. So just always doing things. Um, and so in high school, played three sports: did the football thing, did the basketball thing, did the track thing. And then I uh, was fortunate enough to then go to college and play basketball in college. So I did that for four years um, and had a great career in college, which then allowed me to uh, go overseas and ended up continuing my basketball career for about three years in Germany, 
um, where I played professionally there. And, and so that was, it was kind of a dream for me being able to live in another country. I love to travel. I love to see other cultures and um, really get immersed in it. And I had a great experience um, over there as well. Not everyone when they, when they play professionally has a great experience. So I was getting paid on time and like everything was, it was working out. So, uh, so yeah, it was a really good experience. And then actually what happened was my, after my third year, I had a contract to go for my fourth and, um, uh, a foreign player on the team. So many of the foreign players, they can, or foreign teams, they can only have like two foreign players. So they can only have two people from non-native. It was Germany. And so uh, I was one of the foreign players going onto this team and they called me in like, it was probably early August and we're like, Hey, we had a guy get hurt. Like one of our German players got hurt. He's going to be out for the season. And so we have to take a different position. And so I was a guard and they needed to, uh, they needed to take a big guy because one of their, their big guys got hurt. So at that point, I'd come back every summer and was training people. So I was an exercise science degree um, in college and like had my CSCS like immediately when I graduated and because I was just always interested in performance. And so I was always trying to find like, what's that edge that I could get as an athlete to help kind of take me to the next level. So I was always experimenting in the weight room and I would experiment on any athletes in college that would let me experiment with them. And we just kind of learned by doing. And this was, this was even like, this was really before, I mean, the internet was there, but it wasn't, I would say as robust as now. So I was ordering like Eric Cressy's like book where it was like a binder and like, like you would scroll through it. I'd like Mike Robertson's like bulletproof knees. And like, it's this binder you get and you're ordering and you're getting these things. And so, um, that was kind of the time when, when I was coming through, um, it's a little bit easier to get information now, but, um, but yeah, so I was always interested in performance. So when I would come home in the off season, I would be training people in my, my local community. Um, and actually first it was like my mom and my stepdad, it was like, I want to train people. I'll train you guys for free. Let's just go to the weight room. And that's kind of where it started is people saw me training them and they got curious and interested and, and it started to grow. And so back to that, that last story, I was before my fourth year, I had probably maybe, maybe 30 clients at the time. I'd gotten more into kind of doing boot camps. So boot camps were all the craze at that point. Um, and so I had enough clients where it was like, it's pretty late in the off season to try and find another gig to go back overseas. Like it was fun, but the money wasn't really good enough for me to like, how much longer do I keep hanging on? Cause you see a lot of guys that just hang on forever. And it's just like, man, what are you doing? And, and, and I'm like, I don't want to really miss out on kind of starting that next career. And so I'd, I'd had my fill and I was, I was ready to move on. And so at that point I just decided, Hey, cool. I've got this kind of little side gig business going on. Let's just, let's see where that goes. So I was training out of the local community center, had a, had a phenomenal deal, um, like pretty much rent free. I think I gave them like 5% of revenue or something amazing. And so basically it allowed me to build my business with very little overhead. And so I kind of bumped around in the, in the community center. Eventually, like I found, like I was like basically training people out of a closet. They allowed, they gave me this closet where they store the gymnastics equipment and like, I could just build up my little gym in there and was training people out of that. Um, but eventually we just all grew it. And it, it, I kind of had the numbers in my head. I knew, Hey, once we get to this mark, um, I can, we can get out of here. We can go find a place to move the gym to and just start creating a gym. And so we got to that mark and I, I don't, I don't remember what it was. If it was 50 clients or, or 70 clients, but I had a, a, I like spreadsheets as well. So like I had the spreadsheet all figured out. I knew the numbers, I knew what could work. And then we basically opened the gym. And, um, one of the best things I did early on from the gym business was I bought my building 
So I bought a rundown kind of old dry cleaners um, and we pretty much gutted the entire thing. Pretty big building. It's about 6,000 square feet. Um, and so we did it in three phases over the course of four years. We kind of built out the first phase just enough to bring the clients in. And then we built out the next phase as we had more revenue. And then we built out the, the final piece um, when we got there. So I didn't get myself um, in too much debt. And we had to take out some debt to buy the building. But um, again, it's like an asset at the end of the day. Um, and so that's actually one thing I've carried through to all of my facilities. So we now have, uh, we've got two in my hometown and then we've got, so we've got four total facilities. Um, we kind of run a combination. We have our, we call them our training facilities or our coaching facilities. And then we have a few 24 hour facilities as well. Uh, but my concept has always been buy the building, um, find the building. And then now I can run the business inside of the building. And, um, it ultimately creates a better kind of revenue model for, for me and also, I can kind of control the business that's in the building as well. Um, but we operate them as like basically two separate businesses. Um, so if there are any aspiring gym owners and you're in a community where you have that ability, like getting a hold of your building can be, can be a great, can be a great asset. So, um, yeah. I mean, and then we, we were doing the coaching thing. And so, um, and this is probably the same problem a lot of coaches run into is we're coaching these people. We're doing like transformation challenges. That was a big lead gen for us. Uh, we'd run these six week transformation challenges and we'd run them with 50, hundred. I think one time we ran it with like 150 people. And so they, they were, they were rather large. And so once you get above just a few people, it's really hard to make sure that people are doing all the things you need them to do in order to make like a transformation. Like workouts are easy, right? They either showed up or they didn't show up. I run a report in mind body or whatever. And like, I can, I can figure that out pretty quickly. Or you just notice like, Hey, so-and-so Scott hasn't been here for, for a week. I'm going to give him a call. Right. So we were running into the issue of, all right, we were giving these people this nutrition information, but it was really like on day one, like, all right, here's your nutrition information. I want you to do this stuff. And, you know, we'll touch base a little bit here and there. Uh, but what ends up happening is like that ultimately falls through the cracks because you're spending all of your time day to day in the gym, working with clients. If you see them face to face, then you're going to say like, Hey, how are things going? But, um, we just had too many people falling through the cracks. And so we would have too many people not finishing the challenge mainly because they weren't necessarily doing the nutrition piece. So they weren't seeing the results that they wanted to see and they were just kind of falling off. And so for us, like it just, we didn't feel, we didn't feel good about that. We're like, how do we put systems in place to kind of do this coaching outside of the facility? Um, and, and that's really where coach catalyst was born. It was originally called habit catalyst. And I had just finished, uh, like precision nutrition's level two. I was part of their beta program. So went through all of that and insufficiently drank the Kool-Aid and was like, all right, have a big coaching. This is, this is interesting. I think there's, there's something here. We want to implement this at a facility. And we were literally like, we had, we had like 12 habits. They were on these cards and then we would give the client a card. They would take it home. They would like put it on the fridge. They would like mark it off. They would bring it back to us. We'd like file it away. And then we'd give them like the next card in the series. And it was this, it was just kind of like a, janky system um and it worked for a little bit but as you can probably tell like once you have five or ten people doing this and they're at different stages like where is anyone at at that point and again like i don't know if they're doing it like i have to there's that physical follow-up of like hey i need to text you hey how are things going um i can't just like look at my dashboard and see um and so that was just kind of another impetus for for coach catalyst and um and so we really started coach catalyst uh, originally called habit catalyst of just like, it was super simple. It was like a lesson in an action. And you had this like strict format that you had to follow. And like, it would be like, eat 
lean protein with every meal. Cool. And then there'd be a lesson every day while they did that for, for 14 days. Um, and it's since evolved into to much more than that, but like, we're not technical. So like, so myself and Kane, Ken uh, is the other co-founder. He was actually a buddy of mine. We played basketball uh, together in college and he kind of went a separate way and ended up starting a gym in, in, or actually buying a gym in Madison, Wisconsin um, after he got his MBA. And so we were kind of talking about like, we had these similar problems and a lot of the same things were coming up. It's like, how do we, how do we impact our clients outside of the facility? Cause we have clients that need nutrition help. They need lifestyle help. And yeah, we can, we can just pitch advice, but like we pride ourselves on accountability and a lot of people talk about like, yeah, we hold our clients accountable, but it's like, well, how, like it's physically impossible unless you hire someone to like be doing follow-up every day to really hold people accountable. Cause you just don't have the information. Right. So that's kind of where the software came into play. It's like, we don't want to do this with humans. It would be too expensive. And so software has this ability to, to do all of these like mundane tasks of finding out is someone doing what they need to do. And then it tells the human what is going on so that they can then do the human work of, of following up. And so, um, so yeah, so, so Kane and I kind of got together and we just like, we're like, all right, we're going to figure out how to, how to create this thing. Um, and we didn't have like a ton of money. We didn't take on any capital, like we're completely bootstrapped. And so, yeah, we have some profits and stuff from our facility, but, um, like software is expensive. And so like, yeah, we could have created this a lot faster if you would have given us a million bucks, but, um, we weren't necessarily willing to give up that type of equity. Um, and so it was like, you know, five grand here, 10 grand there. All right. We have, we have 15 grand, like what can we build? And we actually, we, we tried to be, I don't know if I've ever, I've ever told this before, but we, my buddy's in Madison, Wisconsin, and we went to the university of Wisconsin. We went to their computer science department. They had like a computer science club or something like that. And we basically went to this club and said, like, here's what we want to build. Like, can you guys do it? And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, we can do it. We can do it. We can do it. You know, what's it going to cost? It was like a few grand. Right there, I should have known, like, all right, like, let's that. So we wasted probably three months of our lives, like, trying to get these students, like, between classes to, like, build this thing. And it just, it ultimately, we're like, all right sunk cost it's like a loss let's move on and then eventually we hired like a, a local kind of we called it a dev shop and we were fortunate they were like a startup at the time so we were able to get um, some cheaper dev costs at that point um but it was really like hey we have we have we have twenty thousand dollars okay what can we build for twenty twenty thousand dollars that's going to be meaningful at the end of the day because like we we kind of knew that people like we thought people would want this but we were also like, Hey, if we build this thing, we need it in our own facilities and it'll help us create a better gym experience and a better client experience. So like, if no one else wants it, like we can at least still use it. And so it was always like, I think we had to, especially at the beginning, we had to be very deliberate and we, you know, if we would have, if we would have gotten a million dollars, I don't know if we would have built the same product and I don't know if it would have been as good either. Cause what you see with a lot of tech companies is yeah, you get all this money and you, you just start building what you think people want. And then you find out after you're a million in is like, oh, they don't actually want this. They want this other thing. And so now you're pivoting out of this into this other thing. And so when you're using your own money and you don't have a lot of it, you have to be like, all right, is this the best thing that we can build right now? That's going to get us the best return where it's going to help, you know, our current coaches that are using coach catalyst, but also help drive new customers as well. And so there was always this balance. And then um, we're going to be, uh, we're going to be six this June. And so, um, they're the first three or four years, like no one's getting paid. Like you, right. it's just kind of like you, you're, you're, you're building something for the dream. And, um, 
you're just kind of doing these iterations and continue iterating and iterating and iterating. And like, we look back on the first like iteration of our product and it's kind of embarrassing, like what it looked like, but like, you have to, you have to start somewhere. Um, and we had enough traction where we're like, okay, like this, this is worth it. We're willing to put in the energy, the effort, the money to keep building this. Um, and, um, and that's kind of still where we're at now. Like we're not, we're not done with, with the software. And we feel like there's other things that, that we can, that we can go on. And so, and so for me at this point now, like I split a lot of my time. So I spent a lot of time on coach catalyst, but I also have a team of coaches, um, that I work with in our facilities. Um, and so I kind of split time between, between both of those things, but the one nice thing about it and the cool thing about it is like, I'm a user, like we use coach catalyst in our facilities every day. My coaches will tell me like what's wrong or what sucks and what we need to fix. Um, but then I can also go back to the dev team and be part of the roadmap and say like, all right, here's what we're seeing in the real world. And we don't necessarily, we're still getting customer feedback, but like, it's a little easier because I'm in the facility, I'm working with it. Um, and, and then I think we can iterate a little bit a little bit faster and, and really create something that that's meaningful, like at the, at the end of the day. So that's, uh, that's kind of a long story of, uh, the last, uh, 12 years of my life. Hey, before we get started, imagine having a team of virtual assistants helping you out with everything from scheduling appointments, nurturing leads, processing payments, sending out marketing emails, creating content, managing your social media accounts, and so much more. The Ace for Gyms is here to make sure your business runs as smoothly as possible so that you can focus on what matters most, serving your clients. We offer a wide range of services that will completely run your business and give you the one thing everyone is limited on, more time. Check out our website at www.vasforgyms.com. That's V-A-S-F-O-R gyms.com and book an appointment to find out more. Yeah, it's well, I know that there are so many peaks and valleys along that entire journey. I mean, I'm sure we could spend the whole time just probably talking about a couple of them. But there is a lot you you brought something up that I I kind of want to kind of dive into a little bit. Yep. It's the the kind of this chasm that exists when a product developer or an owner of a business is not actually an active client or customer of the actual product. Mm-hmm. Um so has there been a point when you're, you're like, Hey, let's go all in on, on coaching catalysts and just get rid of the brick and mortar or like, how is that kind of processed through your brain through the time? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's always a converse. I mean, it's always in the back of your head a little bit. Um, and so Kane did end up selling his gym, um, about two years ago. Uh, cause at that point, Kane is very involved in the, like the product roadmap development dev team, that kind of stuff. Um, and so it was just, it was kind of becoming too stressful to kind of have to worry about the gym and also that. And so, um, it's, it's definitely crossed my mind, but then there's a kind of another piece of me. Like, so I've the gyms in a way, like I've kind of built them for my communities at the end of the day, like our community needs this thing. Like we're the only, so I'm in a really small community too, like really small, like less like 5,000 people small. Wow. And so, um, had you said that we could build a coaching based gym, and have memberships that are 150 to $400 a month, like in a small rural farming community, like I don't know if that's the best business idea. Um, but because I was able to grow it kind of organically and just like one person at a time, um, like it, it worked at the end of the day and it, and it, and it still works. And so like uh, for the gyms for us are like, like, like they need to be part of these communities because they really serve a lot of people. 
Um, and so for me with the gyms, it's really figuring out like, how do I support my coaches and the people that run kind of day-to-day operations. And then it's constantly looking at that org structure as well as like, all right, what do we need? So we picked up these couple of gyms, these other gyms uh, about a year ago. Actually, I picked them up right in the middle of pandemic. It was a really good decision. Um, and so we're still kind of like, they're finally coming out of pandemic stuff, which is, which is nice. Um, but so now we have, we have kind of four facilities. And so we're looking at like a regional type manager to be able to start looking at those and, and really caring about them deeply. Um, because I'm, I kind of always have one foot in each, in each business, um, at this point. And so, but the gyms then are kind of like our testing grounds, like at the end of the day where we can, we can test features. I can get feedback directly from clients. Like I can show it to my older clients and say like, Hey, what does this font look like? Is this, is this the right color? Like, can you see it? Um, and like that feedback loop can be shortened big time versus like if, if, you're, if you're a tech company and you're not actively using your product, like you have to then go to the customers, hope they have some time to be able to give you some feedback. Hopefully it's good feedback. Um, and so we can kind of shorten that feedback loop a little bit, which I think has helped us to just uh, improve the development um, and really the efficiency of the development, not just creating things that we think people want. We can, we can really, we can test it really quickly. Yeah. I've actually worked in um, with a tech company that had tech and I would get the feedback and I was actually using the product and then take it to the team. And it's always like there was a wall and I know for a very good reason, you know, they put a ton of work into it. They, they laid out their whole UX, they laid out the wire framing, mm-hmm. like this is how it should look. But then when the rubber meets the road, you've got to have that real world experience. Like, I mean, like you said, even like, does this font look okay? Right. That can ruin somebody's like, it can give them an aversion for the, for the product. So it's incredibly important. Yeah. I mean, we live in a world right now where you use something and when you like, so like you you have a very short window to impress someone, right. To Mm -hmm. an extent, because there is so much tech, because there's so many different products out there, like someone, when they first use it, they need to feel like this makes sense. Right. And this is going to, is going to help me accomplish the thing that I want to accomplish. Um, And so that's, that's huge. That first, and like for us, so, so we serve coaches, but coaches serve their clients and we we create the software for coaches but we're also creating the apps and stuff that their clients are going to be using and so if the client app sucks the client's going to be like hey this is stupid and it's going to make the coach look bad and then that's ultimately going to we're going to lose them as a customer even though it might not be directly related to the coach if we didn't create the good experience for the client but now if we can create a great experience for the client now that's going to make that coach look really cool and really good and then that's going to that's going to kind of give us some more connection with that coach. And, um, and, and one thing that's a little bit unique about us and I'd say kind of why the gym still kind of fits with this is one thing that's different about us is we have a ton of done for you content. So we've created like 30 different programs inside of coach catalyst. Cause that was the, one of the things early on that we're like, all right, coaches. So our platform is, is different than others in, in this kind of space mainly because we're more in like the behavior change education. We want that to be a piece of it. Not just like how many, how much weight did you do for this, for this set of things or like, yeah, like, so like ours is more like inclusive. So if a coach wants to do workouts, great, they can do that. But if a coach wants to run these kind of like complete change programs, there's different elements that you need, right? Like you need to have education. Like if I'm teaching someone about protein or I'm telling them that they need to eat more protein, Maybe they have no idea like what protein is, like how to cook it. What are some good recipes? Like, why is it important? And so that's where the education component comes into play. But we found that like coach, like asking a coach to go and create this content is, 
is a huge task. Like they're already strapped for time. Like I know what it's like to be training people for six, seven hours a day and then still need to market and still need to clean the bathroom and like do all of that stuff as well. And so we're like, all right, we'll just, we'll build the content. And so um, we have like 30 different programs in there. We have like six week transformation challenges, four week transformation challenges, habit-based coaching programs. I think we have like a six month habit-based coaching program. We've created over a thousand lessons of just content, like really good well-written, curated, kind of research-backed content that a coach can basically swipe and then put their name on. And it's like they went out and did this. Because like, as far as like the, the, the copywriter IP goes from the content standpoint, like, I, I don't care. Like, I don't care if a coach gives us credit. Like, that doesn't matter to me because it's a coach-client relationship. Like, our goal is to make the coach successful in any way that we can. And if that means they take our content and use it with their clients, like, awesome put their name on it, put their colors on it. Like that's going to make them a better coach. If they're a better coach. They're probably going to stick with us longer. And like in the end, everybody wins. And so, yeah, that's just something that's, I think, cause in the gym too, we took all our challenges that we were running in the gym and things that were working. Like if we have a new program, we'll test it in the facility and see like, how's this, how's, what kind of response do we get from the clients? Um, what kind of results did this particular program get? If it was good, awesome. It goes in the software. If it's crappy, then like, all right, cool. Let's revise it and figure out how to make it better before we, we give it to someone else. Yeah. That's a, that's an amazing, um, offering to have so many programs built in because getting that built up is a lot of work. And also the fact that it's built with real clients, real clients going through like, you know, these habit transformations, which is really what changes people physically. (laughs) I mean, like a coach could literally take, like if, if someone were to sign up for coach catalyst, they could literally go into our library, grab a program, have it running in less than 10 minutes and be making money. Like they could, they could be marketing a six week challenge in a matter of minutes. Um, and the content is, is solid and dialed in. And so like, that's for us, we want to try and our goal is to make it as easy for coaches as possible. Yeah. We call coach catalyst to be like a bridge. So it's a software in like any software, any software you use, whether it's a CRM marketing, like anything you use, if you're, if you're not like actively involved in it, like it's, it's not going to work. And it's not because the software didn't work. It's because the inputs weren't right. And so, um, so same thing with coaching, like there's no magic software that's going to coach your clients. It's a human thing. And when we think about coach catalysts and we think about what's the next evolution, it's like, how do we make, how do we make you as a human or as a coach, a super coach and give you superpowers. And so you can then focus on that relationship with the client and the software is doing all these other things, like giving you the correct data where you don't need to search for it. It's telling you what's going on, telling you what clients are, are falling off. Um, and all this data, it, cause that's what software is great at. It's, it's great at data collection. It's great at like automated tasks. And so that frees up your time as a coach to then be able to foster that relationship with the client, but then also scale. So now you can provide the same experience that you were doing one-on-one with Excel and pieces of paper and text messages with three people with a hundred people, and you're probably spending less time on it. And so now you're a much happier person because you're making more money, you're spending less time and you're having the impact that you want as a coach. Well, success in business and delivering a good product is processes. I mean, systems, processes, and follow through, right. right? And and the accountability is built in because it's a it's an interactive app. Um, I want to jump back a little bit. Yeah, I want to I want to talk about something that I've heard some pretty big uh, business leaders talk about, and um, I was kind of excited that you you brought it up. You 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 talked about buying your own building. Yep. And then you also talked you also talked about this. Okay, we tried to go cheap and get our software built. 
but then you go it went ahead and went in with you know a, a newer dev team but really the the concept here is is you're putting money in up front so there's some risk that you're putting in i want to mm -hmm. i want you to talk a little bit to business owners or to future business owners about kind of how you evaluate risk because both of those were pretty big risks i mean quite honestly they were they were big risks yeah and so i mean look at let's kind of start with the building piece right so the one thing about buildings and why i really like real estate is it's a hard asset at the end of the day and so um and the other thing is um when you're going after loans or you're going after money um having just a business concept is not always going to get you a loan or get you money because it's like a lot of businesses fail like i mean restaurants like it, you're not going to get a loan for that from a bank because it's just it's too high risk for them like they're a business as well and if they make too many bad loans like they're not a bank anymore um and so uh business is hard but real estate now you have something like a tangible asset so now the a banker is going to have a conversation with you um because you have this asset where if you don't pay back your loans then they can take the building and now they there's there's less risk for them and so um that was one of my concepts and i knew i was going to be in this for a long time and so i don't remember who told me this but um some business person but they said if you're going to be in the space for more than five years you should try and you should try and buy it uh, but if you're not going to be there for more than five years or you're just maybe testing out a market or something like that then just rent and and you're going to be and you're going to be good um and, i mean the other thing you have to think about too when, when you're getting into something like like real estate or buying a building is it's like it's not like a passive thing like so when i need new hvac units like that's on me um or uh snow removal like i need to make sure that i'm lining all of that up and that's just added costs and so you just kind of have to understand those costs and, and maybe you can or maybe you can't um do it um right when you get started i was fortunate to have a big enough business at that point where um it just it made sense like the cash flow was there what i see a lot of like probably gym people do is everyone has this like aspiration where like being a gym owner is kind of like it's like the pinnacle right we don't have this like ladder in our industry where you can go from like assistant to manager to partner to whatever um and most people think that like gym ownership is kind of like the pinnacle where i would i would i would probably argue a little bit that for a certain subset of people it's kind of the pinnacle because for those people that are driven, that are entrepreneurs, that are more business minded, yes, that makes a lot of sense. But I see too many technicians that are just like really, really, really good coaches. And that's what they want to do. They want to just be really, really good coaches. And then they end up aspiring or they end up being a gym owner. And now they're spending the majority of their time doing gym ownership management type things. And it takes them out of their kind of zone of genius or wheelhouse or whatever and then they like they get upset and frustrated because they're you know having to do all these other things and all they want to do is coach and so like for those types of people it's like go find the person that wants to be the business owner and you know be the highest paid employee in their company um, or partner with them and, and do that piece and so um, you have to kind of figure out like how much risk you're willing to take at the end of the day too and like what your personality what, what your personality will allow. I think Jordan Peterson, they may even have, are you familiar with Jordan Peterson? Oh yeah. Psychologist. Yeah. So, um, so they have, I don't know if he has a risk assessment, but you can basically figure out like based upon your personality, like how much risk do you do well with? And like, there's certain people like true entrepreneurs, like they virtually have no, like they, they don't care, right They're They would be okay with sleeping in their car if they have to, because something failed. Right. 
uh, where other people, and, and I would say mine's evolved, right? So when I was, when I was 22, right, I didn't have any kids. Like I didn't have a, I didn't have a wife, like you lose it all at 22, like you're kind of in the same spot, right? You really don't have anything to start with. So there's a lot more risk at that point where now I'm probably a little bit more calculated in, in what I do, because, you know, I have a mortgage, I have um, a wife and kids and like, I want to make sure that they're taken care of. And I don't want my idiotic decisions to affect their life because like I go and do, if I go and do something stupid, if it affects me, like fine, like not a big deal. But now if I'm starting to impact their quality of life, like that, that's, that's a bigger deal. Um, and so my risk tolerance at this point is, um, it's probably not quite as high as, as it was at one point, but, um, but like anything, like to really build anything, there's a level of risk in it. And if you're not comfortable with risk then like become a really highly paid employee and there's nothing wrong with that either. Um, and so, but your upside might be capped a little bit right at the end of the day, but your downside is also so like there's, there, there's, there's good and bads with everything, but I think finding out who you are from a personality standpoint is really the, the key. Like what, how much stress does my personality allow me to have and still live a fun, happy life where some people can just live that high stress life and it, it just works for them because right. that's the way they're wired where other people, you give them a little bit of stress and dishwasher breaks and it's like the end of the world. Like that's, that's there, there's certain aspects of employment that they would do really well in. And there's certain aspects that they would. So there's a lot of kind of how I think about it. There's a lot of wisdom in there with using tools that other people have developed that work like a risk, a risk assessment with your personality, you know, like my wife, for instance, has come a long way in her willingness to risk things because I've always just been, let's, let's just go for it. Mm -hmm. you know? right. And then of course I've kind of come a little more center instead of being this like, yeah, I don't care. I'll sleep because I don't right. want my kids and my wife right. to do that. So I think that's a really important thing. The, um, and in using things like, you know, people who are really, really smart at this to, to really understand a better about yourself and where your values align. And then you talked about something, you know, I'm super passionate about, and that's the, the gym owner or the person who gets into their business to do a thing. And then they end up doing everything else. Mm -hmm. And, um, you, you got into this, basically a technology company, but it sounds like you've been able to keep yourself in your kind of working genius zone and leverage other people. Yeah. And so like, I think at, at my core and I wasn't the kid, I wasn't the kid like selling baseball cards and I wasn't like the kid entrepreneur that was like doing business stuff. Uh, like I got into business because I was running a big enough operation with clients that I needed to figure out the business stuff or, or I would just continue to do that. Um, and then as I've kind of went through that, I've really learned my, my personality type is, is very much like an entrepreneur. Um, and I'm very much like an ideas starter. I get kind of like five years and I start to get kind of antsy with stuff, right? Like it, it's kind of like built enough where it's going well. And it, it's kind of like, all right, kind of what's next. Mm -hmm. And so I've learned that about myself and, and it's kind of like how a lot of the stuff evolved. Like coach catalyst was, was about five years after kind of our gyms had been started and you just kind of, I, I kind of had that itch. So I've kind of leaned into that a little bit more. And, um, and that's why I kind of do a, a number of different things. It helps keep me 
entertained for, for lack of a, of a better word. Um, but like, I still love coaching. And so I actually still have client, like I still Mondays and Wednesdays, 5.30 AM till 7 AM. Like those are my client hours. And so I still take clients. I still work with them. I've, Cause I, I really love the fitness piece. Like I, I'm still really physical and I love the fitness piece. Like if I had to sit behind a computer and just like punch numbers and, and do that all day, like I would, I would go insane. Um, and so like, being out and being with clients and being physical, um, because I am still a part of that business. Like I started it. I'm glad I didn't put my name on it. Um, I see that kind of with a lot of coaches too, is they call their business like after themselves, like they use their last name, like we're training systems or, or things like that. And then it's like, it's great if you're always going to be the face of it, but if you ever want to move away from it or move into a different role, like whosever name is on the door, that's who the people want to see that are coming in. And so I kind of made that conscious decision early on um, to just not, our gyms are called functional fitness um, to just kind of leave that, which is, but even like anything, if you, even if you are the face of it, there's a transition period. Like you can't go like, let's say you really love coaching, but you want to transition and do less of it. Like it takes time and like it, it's a delicate process. Um, and I probably did it too quick a few different times and like you, you get that blowback. And so taking you time years to like kind of transition into something else. Um, it, it, like if you try and do it overnight, I've seen just too many, too many bad things happen. And personally, I mean, I've had enough things go, go wrong where you kind of have to revert back then quickly, uh, and play that game. Yeah. I think anybody who's been in a business who has kind of this mindset of, I, I want to get the systems and everything rolling so that I can squeeze a little bit further and further out and pursue other things. Cause I mm -hmm. think most people who start businesses, not all, but most kind of get that itch. I mean, I'm definitely a, a candidate of that. Um, but that that change management is incredibly uh, finicky and you have to be very uh, intentional and smart about it because right. it can implode and, and you're right back to fully immersed and not where you wanted to be and that creates issues. So that's really good wisdom. Um, I want to kind of dive into Trevor a little bit and um, kind of... Uh, ask some questions about you specifically, like where do you find, I mean, I'm sure this has evolved over time and you've talked talked about Jordan Peterson, but where, where are you finding your growth for your business now? Like your personal growth, what is driving yeah. you to continually be better? Yeah. I mean, part of, I mean, I think part of it is just a, like a mindset at the end of the day. And so, and I think athletics really, teach you this so people that have been athletes like you just go through those phases right you're a freshman in high school and you're garbage and by the time you're a senior like the evolution that happens over four years is just massive and it happens because you just keep showing up right you show up to practice you show up to lifting sessions you listen to coaches um and it, it's an evolution and so i mean for me personally it's just kind of like trying to surround yourself with people that are smarter than you at the end of the day and we're fortunate to live in a world where we have access to the world's information, right? So you can surround yourself with people that are really intelligent in different fields with things like podcasts or books and that kind of stuff. I can't say it. like I used to read a lot, but having two small children and like both, <laughs> like I have a five-year-old and a two-year-old, actually three-year-old now. And like when, when we pick them up from daycare, there's like, there's not a whole lot happening um, outside of like, just trying to keep kids alive and they're both boys. And so keeping both kids alive from each other. And like, it's just for anyone that has small kids, like I was actually just, uh, I just got back from a ski trip. I was out in uh, winter park, Colorado, 
and I went with a, with a cousin of mine. It was just, just him and I, and I was like, there's so much time in the day. Yeah. Like when you, like when I'm not having to like change diapers and stop kids from fighting and like, I'm like, there, like there's, you could get everything you ever want done in the day, but you don't really under, you don't really understand that until, until you have, until you have these, these other responsibilities. Right. And it, it, I mean, kids is just kind of an example of one, but like it's, it's massive. And then they're, they're up at five thirty AM and you know, sleep in the same bed and like we're so we're actually staying at my parents right now our house is being remodeled and so i'm having to sleep with our youngest and, oh, and i have an aura ring and i looked at my i looked at my aura scores when i was gone and in, in winter park and i was like sleeping through the night maybe i'd wake up once and then i look at it now and it's like six wake-ups and it's yeah. uh, but you know I'll, I'll give you a little encouragement with reading because i i I now have, I have two boys as well, but now they're teenagers. So today alone, my son has sent me three pages of ego is enemy. And he's, okay, like, nice. he's like got all these comments and he's and asking questions and he just finished, you know, every book he's like, dad, you know, I've seen you do this or have you thought about this? And so it comes back around. <laughs> it comes back you, around. That, that's really interesting. I mean, stoicism is something that I'm, I'm very interested in. Um, I wouldn't say I'm super knowledgeable, but I've kind of done surface level stuff. Do you, uh, do you kind of give your kids different, different books to read or you kind of let them choose or how do you, how do you go with that? So, man, we, we we'll go in a whole nother direction. Yeah, that's right. It's, it's awesome. Um, it's modeling and just talking. Okay. So I talk, I, on the bookshelf behind me, I have the obstacles, the way, which is kind yeah. of an intro to stoicism. But for me, it kind of aligns with biblical principles, which are very, you know, it's very similar. So yep. when my son asked me questions and started asking me some things, especially specifically about business, he's like, I want to, I want to do what you do. And I'm like, okay, mm -hmm. well, and so he starts reading and then he, he just starts asking like, what, what should I read? And then he'll, he'll, he gets into it. So it's modeling. It's so funny because for the last three weeks, my younger son has been coming into the gym. We have a home gym. And he's been, it's like, dad, how do you do 15 pull-ups, strict pull-ups in a row? And I'm like, well, I've done them a lot and I do mm -hmm. them every week. So I taught him um, how to grease, grease the groove. Hey, hey yep. here's the concept to use. And he went from not one to six strict pull-ups, like in two weeks. And now he's mm -hmm. coming into the gym every day. So for me, I'm going to give you and the audience this thing. It's just do the things you want them to do and read the things you want them to read and talk about it not in a pushy way, just live it and talk about it. So it's really exciting when they give that, that to that point. And there's, and I'm going to tell you is as a father, every single step is, is a new journey. So like, it's so fun, dude. It is so incredible. So now I'm having these higher level conversations with my 17, right. 18 next week. That's uh, awesome. Yeah. It's just incredible. So you will have time to read. <laughs> yeah. So right now it's a lot of like audiobooks. Yeah. So I'll have audiobooks on, you know, you throw the, throw the AirPods on in the morning yeah. or something or while you're washing dishes and can catch a little bit here and there, but not, not kind of nearly the like dedicated study that maybe I had before, before I had kids. Right. Right. That's awesome. So, uh, is there any particular podcast you're into now or something I, that really worked for you? Uh, the one I'm doing right now is Peter Atia's the drive. Okay. Um, and so it's, it's more like, it kind of brings me back to like kind of my fitness and health and nutrition stuff where, uh, Peter Atia, uh, I think Tim Ferriss was kind of the one that made him 
uh, kind of put him on the map, but he's kind of a longevity expert. Mm-hmm. Um, and so doing a lot of that, cause I, I mean, I'm still very interested in my own personal fitness and I've, I've kind of evolved from, you know, performance where I still play a lot of basketball and that kind of stuff, but like, I don't need to, you know, try and get every ounce out of that anymore. So now it's moving into more like longevity and like, what are the things I need to be doing now in my thirties? So that, you know, my, I always tell, I always tell my buddies, like, I want to be snowboarding when I'm 80. And so I want to be able to drop out of a helicopter when I'm 80 and, and, and be able to still shred. And so like, what are the things that I need to do now to set myself up barring any like weird, unforeseen craziness that can always happen. Uh, but so that I have the physical capabilities in my eighties. And I always tell my kids, like I'm my son, uh, my oldest Asher is really into basketball. And so like, another one of my goals is to never let him beat me at least while he's through high school. Like I'm still going to beat up awesome. on him all the way through high school. So maybe when he's in college, he can, he can try and take his old man, but I'm going to stay in good shape. So at least I can take him. It's so cool that you brought up snowboarding at 80. My grandpa made a big, big deal about going, um, uh, water skiing when he was 70. And I don't remember. Okay. He was upper seventies when he did it. And That's awesome. Uh, you know, he grew up water skiing and it's so crazy because I'm, I've been a snowboarder since 86. So it's like in my DNA, right? right. Um, that's what I want to do. I, and it wasn't 80. I had mid seventies. So maybe I have to up my account. Yep. Like, what do I do for my mobility? What do I do yep. for strength? And you know, right. all those things. So the, I got the idea from, I can't think of the guy's name. His name is wild man. Um, he, he recently passed away, uh, but he was the founder of Bally's total uh, Bally's fitness. Oh yeah. Um, and he, I think he lived out in, uh, lived out in California, um, and did some stuff with like Laird Hamilton and stuff, but he was, I think it is mid eighties still hella, hella skiing or hella snowboarding. Um, and it, it just kind of shows you what's possible with the human body. Right. So like if you take care of it and, um, you continue to challenge it, like it's going to adapt. We don't have to necessarily just kind of let ourselves get old. Like, yeah, we're going to age, but we don't have to let ourselves age. Like the majority of the population kind of lets himself age. And so that's really how I think about fitness and really how I'm thinking about our gyms as well. Um, cause really, I mean, our bread and butter at our facilities is like your 40 to 60, actually our bread and butter, our best client is the client whose kids just left for college. And so their kids just left for college. They now have some more free time. They're at a period of their life where they have a little bit more dispensable income and they're really valuing the next 20 years. And they're like, I, I want to, I want to do stuff. I want to be active. And we're seeing a group of our population that's coming through that has now been active kind of their whole life. They've always done those things. And the gym isn't a foreign concept to them. Like when I tell my, like my grandpa about the gym, he's like 90. He's like, what's a gym? Like just go out and feed the cows, you know, or chop some wood or, or whatever. But, you know, we're dealing with a, a generation of desk workers. Right. And, but they want to be active. They want to be outside and, um, they value it. And so we're starting to see that niche be like, that's who we want to go after. Cause they are extremely loyal. They stay forever. Um, they refer everybody and they're just great clients, um, versus the 25 year old that, you know, doesn't quite know where their life's going. Doesn't quite know what their finances are like. And those are the clients we'll lose after a couple months, but oh, yeah. the other people we keep for, for decades. Oh Yeah. Well, that's really cool. And there's a whole lot of lessons on kind of uh, honing in on those parts of your business and understanding who, who you want to grow with and how, the, how that looks. Uh, I want to wrap up with the fact that uh, your software is awesome. Your, your solution you. is amazing. Like 
for someone even like me that runs a men's group and then has all, you know, all these other things going on, it's a solution for someone like me just to have a group of men be able to socialize and have some content and, and push it. And so it's really exciting. I mean, I think what you've built is phenomenal. Um, so like just from Trevor and your, your, uh, your experience, just, just give any budding entrepreneur, entrepreneur, business builder, whatever it is, just one, one more piece of advice for, um, what would help them with success? Yeah. I mean, step one is just like, is, is start, right? Like they're always, we're always in our minds going to create every issue that's going to go wrong. Like here's the things that could happen. But uh, I think Tim Ferriss has kind of like a worst case scenario type thing where you just, you kind of write it all down. What's worst case scenario. And usually actually most of the time that you never even get close to it. And so like, I always thought about worst case scenario with my gyms. I was like, all right, worst case scenario, we lose, you know, a bunch of our revenue. And like, we literally just went through worst case scenario, which is like the government closes your business, right? Like I, I hadn't even thought about that as a possibility that I would not even be able to open my doors. Right. But we kind of went into it. We're like, all right, hey, all right, here are the, here are the new rules of the game. And so how do we win? And so we adapt and we, we move things around and we find other ways to serve people. And we just kind of had a motto throughout the whole thing, which is just like survive. Like we just need to, we need to live to play the game at the end of all of this when it happens. And so yes, revenue is going to take a hit and yes, our expenses are going to stay the same and like all of that kind of stuff. And we're going to do what we can, but the goal is survive. And so if we have a business at the end of all of this, like we're good, we can always, we can always build back. And so I think most people um, don't ever start because of, because of fear of, of what, what could happen. Cause we create these scenarios in our head about all the bad things that are going to happen. And so starting small. And so like for us, like when we started the gym, like I started with one person, I started with my parents and then we moved to the next person. And like, when we think about business, it doesn't, many times we see people that are like, they're, they're 10 years into it. Right. And so we think that that's what it's, that's what we, that's what we aspire to. And we think that's going to happen tomorrow, but we forget about like all of the things that led up to it. It's like the 10 year overnight success or whatever. Exactly. And so you, you just, you just start with something. And the same thing with the software. Like if there was a product that was on the market at the time, I would have bought it and used it with my clients, but there wasn't. And then we weren't technical. And so we weren't going to be able to build it. So it's like, all right, what, what's the first thing we can do? And even though we decided to go try and get it on the cheap with students, like it was something right. And then from that thing, you do the next thing. And then eventually you start to build a bump, like some momentum. And then it feels really good. Like the entrepreneur journey, like the first beginning is awesome. And then you run into uh, like the trough of sorrow, um, a term I stole from somebody where it's like, it's a grind. And that's when you find out if it's something that you actually want, yeah. right? Do I, do I really want this? Cause if you can get through that, that, that trough through that grind, then that's when really good things start to happen on the other end. But again, like it's always a roller coaster. So you have to be okay with riding the roller coaster and enjoy it a little bit. And that's probably something I would tell my, tell my, tell my, uh, kind of older self, or I should say my younger self, um, like to just stop and enjoy the little pieces along the way. Cause I think we get so stuck on like, I need to get here. And like, there's all this cool stuff along the way. Mm -hmm. And so like, 
to give like an example, like I, we drove to winter park from Minnesota. So it's like a 12 hour, 12 hour drive. Right. The whole time you think about, Hey, I want to get to the mountain. I'm excited for the mountain. They just got two feet of snow. It's going to be awesome. And yeah. you like, there's, there's just so much along the way where like, even in that drive, like even when we're going through Nebraska, where there's just like, there's, there's nothing, there'd be like a tumbleweed that comes across. And I'm like, Hey, that's, that's super cool. That reminds me of like Wiley and the coyote <laughs> and like the Roadrunner and all that kind of stuff. And so it's like, I think we get so focused on that destination that sometimes we just kind of forget to enjoy the journey a little bit, um, the goods and the bads about the journey. Um, but, and so I can kind of like bringing it all back together. It's like, take that first step. And then along the journey, you're going to decide whether or not it's worth continuing to take more steps. Um, and then being okay with it sucking at the beginning because yeah. most things do. Um, but how you get it to not suck is put in a lot more practice. So, I mean, it's kind of like anything, right? So just start, enjoy the journey and be okay with sucking at first. Yeah. <laughs> and and awesome. it's really like be okay with sucking at any point because there's yeah. always, no matter where your business is at, like, I mean, we were talking about this right before this, this happened, right? You were having some like tech difficulties, right? Like, and we're dealing with like multi-billion dollar multinational companies and like, there's still aspects that are going to suck. And so, um, no matter where you're at, like the challenges just change. Right. And so when you're a mature company, the challenges are different than when you're, you're a startup, but the, the challenges never go away. It's just, they, they change. Um, and many times they just change in magnitude. And so, um, and so just being comfortable and okay with, yeah, some things are going to suck, but that doesn't mean that we can't keep trying to improve things. And so, yeah. Great, great advice. Trevor, thank you so much. Um, I know people can find out more about Coach Catalyst from at coachcatalyst.com. Pretty simple. Uh, Catalyst is C-A-T-A-L-Y-S-T, which I think that's just how you spell it. <laughs> it, 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 is, it is how you spell it. There's nothing goofy there, but it is kind of a challenging yeah. one. It's challenging. Yeah. Just if you get it close in Google, you'll find it. You'll get, you'll get close enough. Yeah. And, and we also will have all of, um, all the ways that you can connect on, in our show notes. And so make sure if you're a listener, I mean, even if you have a non-gym brand and you're trying to build a community and deliver information and have accountability, that tool, excuse me, that tool is incredible. So uh, Trevor, thank you so much for being, being a guest. Thanks for having me on, Scott. Thank you everybody for listening to this episode. Uh, you know, go check those show notes, do the thing and rate the, and review the podcast and uh, make sure you go check out Coach Catalyst. Thank you for listening to the Stories That Sell podcast. If you appreciated the content on the show, be sure to leave a rating and review and subscribe to hear interviews with incredible guests each and every week. <laughs> <laughs>